Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Hunter Foster, who obviously comes from an incredibly talented family. He is an amazing performer in his own right, and of course, his sister Sutton has done many things as well. He's been off the stage as an actor for the last six years since he's become an in-demand director and has now decided to come back to the stage to originate an amazing role in the world premiere of the Griswold's Broadway Vacation that looks just incredible. So without further ado, find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I'm on TikTok at the theater podcast. Don't know what I'm doing, but I'm there. I'm still on Facebook and please leave a rating and a review and everybody please enjoy this episode with Hunter Foster. Today's guest is an actor, director, writer, and librettist with Broadway acting credits, including Little Shop of Horrors, which earned him a Tony Award nomination. You're in town. The producers, Footloose, Les Mis, and Grease. He was named 2018's Director of the Year by Wall Street Journal for his productions of 42nd Street at the Bucks County Playhouse and the Drowsy Chaperone at the Goodspeed Opera House. And he recently directed the critically acclaimed The Other Josh Cohen off-Broadway here in New York. And... And if that wasn't enough, he is the artistic director for the Red House Arts Center in Syracuse, New York. And as we speak, is originating the role of Clark Griswold in the Griswold's Broadway Vacation at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Hunter Foster, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Man, you uh, you keep yourself busy uh, <laughs> between <laughs> acting and directing, I guess. We'll get into the uh, in, into the, the the childhood, how you got into it in the first place. But I want to start sort of in the middle, where um, I guess act, asking, did you originally set out down this path to be a director or an actor, or did you just kind of fall into one or the other uh, by by accident? Um, no, I originally um, wanted to be a writer. That was like my when I was younger. Uh, that was sort of my dream was to be sort of a novelist. Uh, and then I sort of stumbled into acting when I was in high school and uh, sort of loved it as an actor. And so that that kind of went on for a while. And, uh, you know, I was able to work a, a lot, which I'm very thankful for. And and then I started um, getting got back into writing and uh, started writing shows and then uh, there was a show that I wrote called Summer 42, which was an off-Broadway musical that was done back in 2001. And uh, Jed Bernstein, who runs the Bucks County Playhouse, is like, I want to produce Summer 42. And Lonnie Price was supposed to direct it. And then Lonnie dropped out because he was putting doing the, the um, Merrily We Roll Along documentary, and uh, which is a fantastic documentary, by the way. And uh, so then Lonnie's like, you should direct it. I'm like, I've never directed anything in my life. But then... I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so uh, that was my first, I sort of stumbled into it. And, um, you know, uh, that that's sort of how it, it happened. You know, I was, uh, and then I just started doing more and more as we were, as people keep asking me to direct stuff. And I was like, oh, and then before, you, before I knew it, um, 
I became a full-time director. <laughs> like it was, and the acting stuff sort of, I didn't have time to do the acting stuff. So, uh, because I was having so many projects in the future. So I sort of took a hiatus from at performing for probably about, I don't know, I started directing in 2014 and I did a few things here and there acting wise, but it's I've been mostly a director for the past eight years. So, and again, I stumbled wow. onto, it. I never thought of myself as, as doing it. And then you know, I realized, you know, I had learned so much from working from like, you know, Jerry Zachs and Susan Stroman and, you know, Kathleen Marshall and James Pine, all these like greats of what I all worked with. And you, you kind of like, oh yeah, I know how this works. I've seen them, these great people do this for years. So, yeah. Wow. That so is happened. this, the, so doing Clark Griswold now, is this the first time you've been back on stage as an actor in how many years? Six years. Wow. 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 So was, was it, I mean, are you approaching the role as an actor much differently, like the creation of the role? Are you approaching it differently now that you've got now six years plus of, of directing under your belt? Like you understand sort of what a director is looking for in somebody originating a role? Absolutely. I, um, you know, I tell people, I even said this to Kate Rockwell, who's, um, who's, uh, who's, who's plays Ellen in the show, or she, um, she's on maternity leave right now, but uh, she... I said, she asked me the same question. I said, yes, absolutely. I said, if you ever have a chance to do it, I said, you see it from a whole different perspective. So like you, you change the camera lens to out front and you, and, and then, so now when it, when I, now that I'm in it, I'm like, oh, this is, I just have an idea of what people are seeing out front. If that makes any sense. I'm like, I should do this here. or I should be on this spot or I should. So I kind of like, and I don't want to say self-direct, but just, uh, I know where where I should be in space or I know how I should deliver lines or no no things because I've seen it happen you know I've directed probably 80 productions by this point and you know have I just I just have a now stuff that I never knew before I I, I know now like I know how I just have a lot more my much better instinct stink much much better instincts on stage than I ever did before that's super cool so do you think that this is sort of a foray a foray back into um, performing more or is this just a little blip in the in the director like you had time to do this this out of town uh, a run here and you can come back and continue to just direct like crazy or do you want to like sort of start splitting your time um you know i never saw myself sort of like retiring uh from acting for good um my first love i think now has become directing i just love I, I love the the creative process and I love, you know, uh, working with actors and, um, I love teaching and I love, uh, in, in colleges. And I just, that part of me is, uh, I think one, it will always now be the, f the first thing that I, I want to do. Um, but this was a perfect project that I, when it came along, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of those movies when I was a kid and my mother was a big fan of that, of the family. And it's, it reminds me so much of my own, family growing up and and so I just felt like it was something I really wanted to do and um but and we'll see how you know I mean this this is just the beginning of the journey for us so we'll see how far it goes um but I I mean I have like three or four directing projects that are lined up after this so I'm, I'm definitely going back into directing um but uh you know we'll see we'll see we'll see I, I don't it's good to know that, you know, there's two avenues here because, like I said, I love being a part of the theater and, and any way I can be a part of the theater is, is, is you know, I'm, I'm, 
thankful to be a part of theater in any capacity. But I think my first love is directing, and I definitely want to get back into that um, once this journey is concluded. Or who? I mean, like I said, we don't know how what this journey, where this journey is going to lead us right now. That's really cool because. I, I want to back up now a little bit because you said you originally wanted to be a novelist, like not not a, a Broadway writer, but like a, a book writer. And uh, so we'll get into that in, in a second. But I think it's very cool. I just want to comment on the fact that you wanted to be a writer, then found theater and acting. And through that have now found what you're just calling your true love, right, which is directing and teaching. So I, I want to call out for those listening that you never know where uh, accepting opportunities and, and these chance encounters are going to take you because you've gone from wanting to be a book author to being a well-in-demand uh, in director. And I think that says a lot to uh, who you are as a person and just accepting chances and accepting uh, opportunities when they come your way. But um, backing up to the novelist stuff. So as, as a kid, right... Like, where did you, what did you want to write? Were you like horror, sci-fi? Uh, like what, why writing as a kid? I know so few kids who are like, I love to write. <laughs> because they're like, I, don't, I just want to play video games. Um, I've always, and I think, I've always been interested in storytelling um, and stories, writing stories, telling stories. I think that's part of, you know, uh, even, th I mean, theater is telling stories. So even as a director, I, I, I tell the cast, I mean, we're telling the story. We have to tell the same story. We have to tell the story together. We have to tell the story in the same way. That's basically what we're doing, you know. Um, so I think my love of storytelling, I think, is where it all sort of begins and where, where we sort of are right now. And even as an actor, you know, when we have discussions about the Griswolds, I'm like, okay, what story or what is the story we're trying to tell as as this musical, even as as an actor, like what story am I telling? Um, but yeah, I was, I'm a, I'm a big, I love, um, I'm a big fiction reader and I always, I was like that when I was a kid. Um, I was definitely more into sort of sci-fi and horror and things like that. But, you know, I, I was just really inspired by, um, you know, just, uh, I mean, I think when I was younger, it was more sort of coming of age stories. Um, but I was definitely, uh, into sort of, I mean, post-apocalyptic you know all that sort of like kids when you're a kid you think of like the, the world has collapsed and how do you you know walking dead type stuff or um you know but it's it yeah i really wanted to um and i hope that you know i never i i write stuff i started writing musicals the books musicals because that's what i knew knew and uh you know i've written five or six of them and um, those are so much harder because you're collaborating with a, a composer and there's, all, there's so many things that go into that. And as a book writer, as a, lip, as a novelist, you, you're the scenic set designer, you're the costume designer, you're the sound designer, you're the director, the choreographer, the actors. Like you are everything, which I think is, I don't know, that's something kind of neat about creating the world. It, it all comes from your head. And you can also... There are no, I think, the the limits to what you write in a book. There, like, there are certain limits to certain things you can do on stage, um, in a musical, and as a novelist, there's no limits. You can you can create whatever you want, and it's not going to blow the budget. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You just you just it's limitless. Um, the imagination, um, as, as it's a, it, the book, the scope of a book, can can be as big as your imagination. And would you ever want to go back? Would you ever want to go back and start? Like writing, 
I mean, I, I guess maybe did this happen in COVID? Did you have any downtime where you were just like, you know what, I'm going to try to write my end of the world apocalyptic take on, you know, coming out of my brain, right? So did it, have you have you put forth any books like or have any drafts or ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started writing something um, and then, I, you know, I didn't really have the pandemic off on, like most people. Um, I was uh, an art. You mentioned that I was an, I'm not no longer the artistic director for the theater in Syracuse, but I was an artistic director uh, during the pandemic. And so um, that was that ate up just about all of my time. So even though we were kind of I was in Syracuse and we were sort of like my wife and I were like huddled in our apartment. Um, I was on Zoom meetings like constantly trying to figure out because we, we didn't know if the theater was going to survive and we knew what we were doing. So uh, my whole Pan- pandemic time was just was really really busy trying to figure out what how to save the theater um so i didn't have time to do that um but yes and but i did start i do have, i have an idea that i and i've been um it's been kind of um you know in the works for a while so i'm hoping to finish it once but then the griswolds came up and that's basically taken almost all of my time right now so but uh, yes i will you know I, before i die i'm going to finish you know, i'm going to do it <laughs> well that that's a good goal that's a good goal uh i i feel like one thing is going to lead to another and you'll end up being commissioned to write something anyway just given given the circles that you're in now and and how well you do accept new opportunities but i think it's a, a very cool and i wonder if this is this was intentional in your involvement with Griswold's Broadway Vacation. Um, book music and lyrics written by David Rosmer and Steve Rosen, who you, you directed them. They also wrote books, lyric, and music for the other Josh Cohen. So I guess the other Josh Cohen was phenomenal, by the way. I saw it. It was amazing. And it, got, it deserved all the awards that, that it got. Um, very critically acclaimed. So first off, how did you get connected with the two of them for Josh Cohen? And then did, how, was it just a, a, a stars alignment where you're working with them now again in, in this show? Um, well, I've known David and Steve for a long time. Uh, you know, I've directed Steve, I think, in uh, God, five shows, I think, total. And so we, and we've, we've, we've known each other for a long time. Steve knows my wife and has worked together with her. And so I know David through uh, them and uh, I had, uh, we were doing, we did Josh Cohen at Jiva in Rochester, the Jiva, Jiva Theater Center. And that's how I sort of got connected because uh, my wife and I have a connection with Jiva because my wife's from Rochester and Mark Cuddy, who's the artistic director, I think was like, I think Hunter should direct that Josh Cohen. And so, uh, I, you know, I met with the guys and and so we did it, and we uh, we did it up at Jiva, and then um, they asked me to do it uh, off Broadway, and then we did it off Broadway. Um, and you know, I think it was you you kind of want to work with people that you know and are friends with. You know, I think that there's there's something that's really. I mean, I do. I like I like to work with people that I know and and uh, get along with, and and then you know they when they were sort of funny. I was I was out in Aspen. I was directing a show in Aspen. And um, I don't, they kind of called me last minute and they said, you know, we're looking, f- we need someone to play Clark in this upcoming workshop. And I don't know if maybe they'd had someone else who was involved. I have no idea. Uh, and didn't, couldn't do it or they ha- couldn't find someone. And, and they called me and said, would you come in and just sort of do Clark? And I thought, oh, I'll just do this because they need someone. <laughs> so I just said, 
I didn't think, it, oh, oh, this is going to lead to something else or whatever. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, if you guys, I'll just, and so I did their workshop. And then they started talking about maybe me doing it for real. And I was like, well, do I really, do I want to do this for real? I mean, because I had, I had directing projects lined up all through the summer. And then it started getting more and more real. And I was like, oh, is this something that I want to do? Okay. And then it, then it sort of happened. Then I had to sort of work around all the stuff I had planned. But um, yeah, it went from being like a, oh, we need someone fast because for whatever reason, the, uh, and I thought it was just, I, guess it, I thought it was going to be just a stopgap. And it ended up being like me and being in the show. So that's the way it happens. <laughs> Crazy. But that's well, what you do. You call your friends up and you say like, hey, we need to, I need someone to come in and do this. And that's what I thought it was. I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll come and fill in. <laughs> And then, lo and behold, look here, months later, you, I know, know, I know, you I are know. Clark Griswold. Yeah. Um, We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Did you, so you said you you have experience like watching the movies and, and this this is family that you know the character of Clark and the family is this archetype that's existed in our culture for for a really long time. So I, I'm trying to figure out in my own mind if that would make being in your show's shoes easier or harder because is there already preconceived notions that you're coming in with um, or are you starting fresh like any other unknown character but then with the added complexity that you've got all this director experience now like you said you like I just don't know which lens you're you're approaching this under it seems really complicated yeah, I mean, you know, it's what's what's really different about our version is that you know uh, other sort of movies that are turned into musicals are basically you're taking the movie and you're and it's the same story, you know. So, so like Beetlejuice is was the face is the movie, but it's musicalized, right? Um, uh, even though they've are you know Beetlejuice was great in the, in the how it was put together and constructed and made it theatrical, but this is a completely different story. Like this is just taking the the family that we know and giving them a completely new thing. So people are coming in. We're not seeing Christmas Vacation. You're not seeing Vegas. You're not seeing European. You're seeing a brand new, which I think is really interesting and, and very different from how other musicals sort of movie term musicals that that you see. Um, and you know I think there is a the most popular one is Christmas, obviously, because Christmas it comes around every year, so everyone watches it. So uh, when I ask young people, they're like, they don't know the original one, but they know the Christmas one, so they know the family from that, right? And you know, there is a, definitely a Chevy Chase, it's Chevy Chase isms that are sort of baked into Clark Griswold, and you have to pay homage to that. And and so you know, I I've been watching those movies for such a long time. They're just certain things that are. And I'm, of course, I would never say that I'm Chevy Chase, but because he's a, was a, he's an you know an amazing comedian. But there are certain things that are just kind of that that Chevy Chase and Clark Griswold sort of like are to get you know there's his his mannerisms are in Clark Griswold. So then it's also trying to find, so I pay homage to that. But then I also have to bring my own like my wife tells me all the time she goes you are Clark Griswold in life, <laughs> and I'm like so then there's my own, I I bring a little bit of 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 my own sort of. And I don't want to just, you know, my own self to it as well. So it's been kind of trying to trying to pay homage to what the original source material, finding something in myself that is Clark Griswold and sort of creating its its own new kind of thing as opposed to trying to, you know, recreate, you know, Chevy Chase or what those characters are. I think we're trying to sort of make it its own 
it's, its own thing, especially in this new brand new story. And uh, yeah, and I think, like I said before about being a director, all those things are in how I think and plan. And, you know, I think when I was younger as an actor, I just sort of like went off instincts, you know, and now I really sort of think in the same way that I plan directing. I, th I really sort of uh, think about how to do this part and, and, and where I am on stage and the, the and plan sort of the bits and things that I do because um, and, and it's just made me better. It's just it's, it's made me much better knowing that I was a director. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun, and especially originating a comedy uh, with somebody like like Kate, who has incredible comedy chops of her own, and the rest of the cast. Right? Is it is it just an incredible playtime? Uh, I, I guess. I mean, what was it? I think Patty Lapone was saying that like her whole philosophy is: you learn your lines, you do, you learn all the basics before you ever start rehearsal, so that when you come to rehearsal, it's nothing but experimenting and playing, right? So is that is that the same for you? And and are you working with Kate Rockwell and the others and just saying like, how about we try this? And what wouldn't it be funny? Or like, let's adjust the timing here. You know, when it comes to comedy, comedy is so specific to make it good to make it seem mm -hmm. like it's off the cuff you know so what's yeah. that whole process like uh for you guys for you in general um well you know comedy's hard to yes i i i have certain rhythms and beats in my head um because i think comedy is also music you know it has to be they're just it's just a it, it's a timing but it's also there's a musicality to how to comedy and how you say your lines um and you really don't know how comedy works until you get it from an audience because um, there's a rehearsal room thing, you know, rehearsal room laughs. You've heard that 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 sort of um, for years. Like, don't can't can't go on rehearsal room laughs because in rehearsal we're laughing at the actor and you're not laughing at the character because we've been we've been rehearsing together. So you just you you know you really only know the you're you're looking at the actor and if the actor does something funny then you're like oh Hunter did something funny. We have to know that the audience doesn't know me personally. They're only looking at the character. So you have to. So you really don't know what's funny until you get in front of an audience. So the first, I always say, as a director, the first couple of days of doing it for an audience are like as a fact finding mission. It's like going out and finding how that where the audience is reacting because you have to have a relationship with the audience, and so you have to go off their their of their timing and what they're going to give you. Um, and as Nancy Opal always says, it's like sort of like surfing. It's like going with the waves and going with them. And and once you can find that sort of balance with the audience, then that's when things really, really can, and especially with a comedy, it becomes magic. And I learned that when when I was in producers and you're in town, and you know, it's just it's just really sort of riding the wave of of um, uh, of an audience. So it takes a while. You know, um, Bart Sher always says it takes ninety days for an for an actor to really lock into a character. So we won't, we, we'll we only do like a total of like 20 some performances here. So it's not, it's not a lot to really lock in, but we, you know, we're changing every single day. So like, like I learned even, we had an you know, opening night last night. And so you learn how that crowd, um, you know, reacted. And then you also have to, your timing in your head. So if, if the audience is not quite going to give you what you want, it means you got to go quicker. You know, or and if they're going to give you a lot, then you got to hold back a little bit. So you just you have to be in the role, but you have to sort of be intellectually um, thinking the whole time because you have to it, it's if you can time it right, then you can get bigger reactions. Uh, we got a double laugh last night. That's something we've been working on. There's a bit in the show and um, 
And I just said, I told her, I said, if we just hold for a second, I think we'll get another wave. So the thing happened, got a big laugh, and we just held, and the audience laughed again and then started applauding. So there's things like that that you, you know, and you learn those things for, for over the years, right? You do it so many times, you're like, okay, this is how we can we can hold an audience. And but you got to be careful because once you sort of take that leap, sometimes it doesn't always work. But we we took that leap last night, and it and it definitely worked. So yeah, it's a it's a and that's the fun part about it because you can, like drama is easy because you can just tap in your emotions and whatever. But comedy has got to be you know if drama is cooking, and uh, comedy is baking. You know how baking has to be precise or comes out wrong. Cooking, you can sort of like flat, throw, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do not do baking, if you watch Brit, you know, great British baking show, or, or whatever, <laughs> I do, yeah. you know what I mean. Like if you don't measure and do everything correctly, if it, but if in cooking you can like throw in some, yeah, to, to even just keep doing it to taste. That's drama, and then comedy's baking. It's got to be precise, or it's it doesn't work. I yeah I t- I totally agree with that because you can bake two people can bake the same thing and it could be really good for somebody and the other person makes it fall flat and taste horrible and you just don't like it it's all about all yeah. about the delivery and yeah. trial and error I I love to hear um from from these professional comedians or even go to their their small off the wall shows that are that aren't publicized because when they're trying out new material it's it's even you know people that you know to be like always i put in air quotes funny that they have to still do trial and error and trial and error to find their own timing and find mm-hmm. jokes that work and don't and different and then you've got like different cultures and different uh you know types and ages of people that you're performing to depending on where you are like it, it's so it's such a matrix of complication that i think just speaks to like the people who we do know as the best how talented you actually are because you're able to pull together all these little things and put it together in this perfect little rehearsed package that makes it seem not rehearsed at all. It's brilliant. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a, there's a great podcast. I just, I think it's This American Life, and there's a, a reporter who traveled with George Burns um, and right towards when he was in his 80s and he was doing still doing comedy. And she talked about that. She said that he would... He's George Burns, like one of the great comedians, you know, old school comedians. And she said they would try stuff. They would her and his part, he and his partner, who was like his producer, sort of comic. Part, and they would write stuff. Then they'd go do it at night, and then they'd come. Then as soon as they get off the stage, they would just talk about what went wrong, blah blah blah. blah and then they would change it for the next. He said they would even in his eighties, even a man who had, who had accomplished all these things, and he was still working. He was still working. And she said that what was amazing about him. As it even in his eighties, he would come out and and it felt like he was saying the jokes for the first time. And she goes, even though they, they he rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, and tried to make it and, and it was all planned. He said it sounded like it was that that it had never been said before. So, well, yeah, it's hard. It is really hard. And and that was sort of going to be, I guess, leading to my next question was, like when you're doing comedy, everyone has a personal life. You have good days and bad days, and some are worse and better than others. And when you've had just like the crappiest day, is it easy or hard for you to to separate that uh, and turn it into the comedy? Because in my mind, sometimes when I've done the roles like this in the past, it's I get a little cynicism, like there's a little more edge to the delivery of the comedic lines, which depending on the role, either kills it or amplifies it. And of course you can learn from that, but are, are you, um, 
Are you able to kind of compartmentalize like that? Um, you know, the drama, doing stuff that are um, non-comedic is much easier because I feel like, you know, emotions, whether it's you can tap into strong emotions. If you had, you know, emotions from the day, like frustrations or anger or um, even euphoria, like there's there's that stuff you can funnel that into drama. I think that with comedy, I'd sort of just sort of, uh, you know, because there was um, even this past week, we had so many rewrites and we were changing so many things. So, you know, my mind was just like mush trying to, I'd come into rehearsal and, and you'd come into the, doing the show thinking like, how can I be funny? I've got so much going on in my brain, you know? Um, but, you know, you just have to, you just have to relax and sort of just go with it and just kind of give over. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Just You just kind of like can't, I don't want to hold on to anything that's like um, bringing me down or frustrating or whatever. You know, you just kind of like the show starts and you just kind of like got to, you got to do it. And, you know, I kept, I said it to some, one of the young people in our show, because they're like, how, they could ask me some questions. I said, how do you, how, if you get, you, you know, you were frustrated in the afternoon, how do you break, not, and I said, I said, you just got to break on, you got to break through it. I said, you got to get to the other side of it. I can dwell in it and sit in the frust. I'm frustrated right now because I've been handed, you know, new lyrics and new lines. And I said, or I can just push through and say, I'm going to get to the other side of it and just, and just do this and enjoy it and not let it get to me. Or like, and again, there could be things that are non-related to uh, the show. It could be things in your personal life or whatever. And uh, you just got to push through it. You just got to, it's your job. I always remind myself that this is your job. This is not, a, this is what I'm being paid to do. So just like any job, you got to come in and do it. And you can't allow your personal feelings to get in the way of that. You have to come and uh, and do your job. So yeah. I, that, and that's always a good reminder for me. It's like, this is your job. Well, do fortunately, it. well, I guess podcasting aside, but most people's jobs uh, don't have their their performance reviews aren't public in the New York Times or, <laughs> or other other newspaper outlets. Um, yeah, it seems it seems like that adds an added level of of stress and public scrutiny that uh, a lot of people don't realize is is kind of a big deal. Um, but I want to I want to touch on the family life for a minute too because you were you were a writer found acting um, obviously uh, your sister Sutton like the two of you found um, found acting right so like were your parents when you were a young kid were your parents um, encouraging you to to per, to pursue writing or how did how did the actual finding the discovery of acting happen? Um, you know it's 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 weird. Um, my parents were not theatrical at all. They didn't know anything about theater. Um, people have always said, oh, you must have had show tunes playing in the house growing up. Sutton and I knew nothing about theater. We did nothing about musicals. Um, I mean, I, I wrote a play when I was in the third grade and I, that I directed and starred in and had rehearsals for it. So there was, I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> and it was four pages. It was, I was in third grade. It was, it was four pages long. It was about Dracula. and But I had, like, I wrote it. I I had a rehearsal, I directed it, and I was starred in it. And so I sit there, like that to me, I always go back to third grade, I said, that's where all that started. But I don't know where it came from. Um, and then, like I said, there was, my sister was not interested in at all in, in theater. We were not theater kids. Um, I think my mother, 
was like I was trying to find things for me to do for the summer and I think she signed me up for some acting classes at the rec center and I was like okay I'll go and so I remember I was like the only boy it was like me I was 13 or 12 it was me and like 12 girls <laughs> and uh yeah and I was first of all I was like oh my I'm so I'm the only boy in here and um, and I just had so much fun. Like there was, you you know, back then you were doing like, you know, be a giraffe and be an elephant and, you know, sort of game. It was all games and stuff. So uh, I just, I loved it. And then some, one of the teachers like, you should try out for this play. And so I tried out for the play and, and I had so much fun. It was all just sort of like fun. It was like, like either playing sports or, you know, just like a kid does it. But I never thought that was going to be anything like that. And then, um, you know, I mean, and same thing with my sister. She wasn't interested in doing it until I started doing it. And then she's like, oh, this sounds fun. And then she started to um, do Christmas Carol every year, like she was a Cratchit kid every every Christmas. And then uh, someone heard, heard her sing and said, oh, you should audition for Annie at the community theater. And so she auditioned for Annie and got Annie. And then that's when she heard, she was like, oh, I really, really like this. And same thing for me. And then I started auditioning it. I was like, well, maybe I'll audition for the high school musical. And again, it was for Bobby Birdie. And I was, I didn't know I never didn't know what Bobby Birdie was, and didn't know what the, I didn't know what the characters. I knew nothing, and uh, I got Conrad Birdie when I was like in high school, and I was like, hmm. oh, and and so it's sort of like I just I, I had I had so much fun doing it, and it was so different from you know playing sports, uh, which I loved. I loved playing baseball, and I loved all those things, but th- there was something about the theater that was just um, I don't know. I just I really and and same thing for Sutton. And again, we, we sort of get that it, it it sort of just happened. Like I can't. And then I was like, well, I want to do more. I want to do more and more. And then everyone kept saying, well, you know, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> you grow out of it. And and then I went to school. You know, there was a there was an up and coming musical theater program that had just started at the University of Michigan. <laughs> and it was I'm being dead serious. And they were uh, I remember there was a friend of mine and she said, you should audition for Michigan at Michigan. And I was like, OK. And so I auditioned. They were like begging men to come just to they couldn't find enough people to come to that school at that time. And when I tell people that story, they're like, what do you know how hard it is to get in that school now? Yeah, it's impossible and Ga- now. Yeah. Gavin Creel and I both believe neither one of us would have been taken. We both wouldn't have gotten in. Um, anyway, but, uh, I don't know about, yeah, I mean, me early on, it was literally just anyone. We needed anyone. So, um, <laughs> and so I got, went to that school, I went to Michigan and then, um, you know, uh, it, it, I, I decided after, you know, my parents were like, oh, you're not going to do this. And I, was, and I said, I packed up my car and I drove to New York and just started auditioning. So, you know, I just never, there was never any other choice to it. So. You know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, this, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is just, you just put one opportunity in front of the next and, and didn't look back. It's, it sounds like there was never second guessing or anything. Did you, did you have any of that? Or was it in the moment you're just like, all right, here I am here. Where's my next step? I was so naive. I mean, I think I came to New York with $2,000 and, uh, in my car and, uh, I worked, I tempt and, Scrape by, ate McDonald's every day because all I could all I could afford, and stood in line at the Equity Building. The old, old ways of auditioning, you know. Now the Michigan kids come out, and you know they got their Equity cards, they got agents, they got Broadway shows, and uh, you know back then there was nothing. There was no you just 
you got you graduate from Michigan and you're like, good luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I came to New York. Um, you know, I remember coming to New York and there were eight Broadway shows running at, at that time. There was two plays and six musicals and that was it. Wow. Was, you know, 30, 30 some theaters and, and there were only eight shows running it. So it was very bleak back then um, as, as opposed to now, you know, with so many shows in the works and coming in, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it, you just, you had, but I was just naive. I was like, oh, of course I'm going to, of course I'm going to be in a Broadway show. Like I never had any, and even when I would tell people that, they're like, you know how hard this is, right? And I was like, I was just, I was just naive. Like, and I, and I think that's why I had confidence because I was just completely naive about the whole thing. Yeah. If you knew how hard it was. Yes. Wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have, have done it. Wouldn't have no. done it. I've, yeah. There's so many people have said yeah. that. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I think, uh, if you find yeah, if you find joy in something, if you find happiness, and you for that moment you're passionate about it, just keep following it. Keep following that passion because then then how many decades later you're looking back and you're like, yeah, I never thought about doing anything else because like you you chase the passion, you follow it, and that and was, it also can lead you somewhere else. Like I have a lot of friends from from college that that you know one of my good friends from uh, Michigan. We graduated the same year. He was a performer. He's now big. Broadway producer, and he's does all he does all the merchandising. Um, he's doing all the merchandising for Grizzold's family vacation, and uh, Broadway vacation. So he his path led him to the theater, but now he's a producer. So or Rachel Hoffman, who was a musical theater student at Michigan, now she's a casting director. Or mm-hmm. you know, it leads you. We had a big Zoom meeting of our class uh, during the pan pandemic, and it was amazing. To and like I think me and like one other person, the only people left who were still performing. And everyone, though, was a success in something. Like, they all were like, one's like a dean of a college, and one is like, you know, uh, a doctor, and this, and this, and this. And they all said, we wouldn't be where we are if we hadn't been in theater and gone through the program. It led us to all these other different things. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's what theater, theater can maybe not lead you to be uh, a performer, but it led them to be successes in, in other other things, because maybe it opened up their mind creatively it allowed them to be a bit more fearless i don't know but uh it, it definitely um helped propel them to where they are now we're going to take a short break stay tuned for more of the episode i think that's beautiful and, and it's uh i think there's scientific uh biology behind this and and i've had this theory uh, since talking with Anthony Veneziale from Freestyle of Supreme, right? And mm. he worked with a doctor to uh, to get an fMRI machine while freestyling and while uh, while reading, just you know, reading something that's already pre pre written. And the the uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the body part, the duolateral prefrontal cortex, I believe, is what it's called. But there is a center in your brain that uh, is responsible for inhibiting anxiety. And uh, so that's why um, warm-up uh, improv helps corporate events because you're, you're mm. removing your inhibition. You're helping yourself become more comfortable. And I think if we were to do studies on theater people who have gone on to other things will find that they've got a predisposition because of theater training to be more open, uh, more receptive to, uh, to, 
to things happening wrong in the moment, right? So you've got all of these little characteristics that make somebody a good performer that you can apply to so many other professions, especially like being a doctor. Like how many things don't go according to plan being a doctor and you got to roll with it right. and the show must go on, right? right. Metaphorically that's speaking right. in, in doctor words. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I think there's a lot of truth behind that, a lot of biological truth. Anyway, so let's wrap up. Now that I've gone on that tangent, um, with three closing questions I ask everybody on the podcast. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Uh, what motivates me is is uh, t- telling good stories, you know, and and it's not just a, it's not just the stories we tell, but how we tell them, and because um, you know, there's a lot of stories that are told over and over and over again. But it's you know, I always say, people talk about Hamilton, I go. I said, if the bare bones of Hamilton is a story we've heard thousands of times. Yeah. And, but it's how Lynn told it is what makes it special. And I think that's, that's what motivates me. I get, I get excited when there's a new story to tell and there's a new um, way to tell it. You know, that's what motiv- I don't know if that's the correct answer to that question, but that, that, that mode, getting up every morning and saying, okay, what story, what, what are we going to, what do I want to? T- what story do I want to tell today? You know, yeah. Because that's what we pass on. That's what we. That's what lives on. You know. You think about the stories that, whether it's Shakespeare or Camelot or King Arthur, all those things, Star Wars, Harry Potter, those things that will last forever. Um, you know, that will that they go they go on forever, and so that's I mean, stories never die, and characters that live out there never die. So that's what motivates getting up and telling new stories. Hmm. All right. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Um, you know, I I think the most important thing um, is just to be nice to one another and kind. It's a very tough business, and we're, we're constantly met with rejection and constantly being criticized and constantly being held under the microscope, reviewed, um, and, you know, Kindness to me is the is the most important thing because even as a director, when I work with people who I know are kind to each other, kind to themselves, um, that that's the kind of people I want to have in the room, kind of people I want to work with. Our, we have an incredibly our cast right now of Griswold's uh, Broadway Vacation is an incredible bunch of people, uh, some of the most um, loving, uh, uh, respectful, kind individuals I've ever been around and you know and it's and that includes being kind to yourself I think we we beat ourselves up way too much you know we, we kick ourselves oh, I didn't do this in this audition or I didn't get this part and blah 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 and now I'm worthless whatever and someone told me one time they said you know um don't be afraid of your own greatness and I always think I always think about that quote and it's not being arrogant or being it's just saying, saying like you have things about you that are that are great and embrace those things and know that and know and as opposed to shying away from that because a lot of times we're like well, I don't know imposter syndrome whatever mm-hmm. no don't be afraid of your own greatness and we all have wow. greatness in us we all do and I love that the imposter syndrome is real and if you're in the room embrace it because everybody else feels the same way <laughs> you know all right so the final question is the hardest one if you could only see one show for the rest of your life but you can see it as many times as you want what would you see once Oh, why? Once to me is the perfect story. Um, I, it's just, it's, 
first of all, it's the, you know one of the one of the best scores I've ever heard. Um, and it's just a, the story, the the simplicity of the storytelling and the simplicity of the relationship between the two of them, that is so um, raw, and you know, um, simple, and um, pure, um, and it's just it's just a beautifully told story, and it gets me. You know, I had a chance to direct it. I've seen it, saw it on Broadway, and it's just a it's a wonderful story that I could watch and listen to over and over and over again. Um, I love those two characters. I love their relationship. I love um, their love between them that, that uh, you know, that they never come together. Uh, I love the the sense of family. Like there's something about those musicians playing together. There's a sense of community and a sense of family, which I, I love. Um, and there's a real love of their culture, the Irish culture. Um, and I just, uh, it's a, it's a, just a beautiful story. And I can watch it over and over and over again. Beautiful. Um, no, not beautiful. Once. Different show. So mm. uh, <laughs> where can we find you online? Online? Oh. Yeah, um, on the socials. Oh, my God. I'm so bad at this. Um, Instagram, Hunter underscore Foster is my Instagram. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 Let me make Facebook, sure that's what it TikTok, is. TikTok, Bebo. Oh, I am on TikTok, but I don't know. Are you? I'm so. I'm just. I'm so. I know. I'm gonna sound like old man Foster here, but no. I Instagram Hunter underscore Foster Hunter line down Foster, and what am I on Twitter? I don't know. Um, I don't know this. Probably the same. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) No. Wait. 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 It's uh, no Hunter underscore Foster. So at Hunter underscore Foster on Twitter and at Hunter. Hunter underscore Foster on Instagram and TikTok, which we have some really funny videos, Jen and I, because we drove cross country when we came out here. Um, what am I on here too? I think I'm, oh, oh, it's easy. I'm at Hunter Foster 8665. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know why that is. So Hunter underscore Foster at Instagram, Hunter underscore Foster on Twitter and Hunter Foster 8665. All right. Oh, coughing fit. I still have a little bit of COVID in me that I'm that I'm getting out. Oh, that's not fun. I am at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. We got the under, underscore brothers. Uh, yeah. I'm on TikTok at the theater podcast. Leave a, re, re, leave, a, leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. The Jukebox Ghost gave us the intro and outro music. And Hunter Foster gave us the lovely conversation. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you so much. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.